Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So tonight we are uh, continuing uh, the Jesus is series. The Jesus is series is a new series that we've started in the church in the evening service because we just as a church wanted to strip back everything and just really focus in on why we are here. What has brought us into the house of God uh, on any Sunday, on any day of the week? Just what is it that has connected our hearts together? What is it that is the origin and the source of all of our faith? And that is Jesus. Jesus is the epicenter of uh, all Christendom, of of everything that, that we hold dear, of everything that our faith is built upon comes from Jesus. So to understand why we are here... We need to understand who Jesus is, because it's Jesus who's brought us here. It was his life, it was his love, it was his demonstration of his love for us that has brought us here, that made us whole, that made us full. His love is what paid the price. His love is what paid everything that we needed to be made right with him. When he came and he died upon the cross, it was his love that held him there. Even though he came sinless without any sin, and died the death of a criminal. It was his love that did it for us, that it would pay a debt. Pay the debt of mankind. Pay the debt and make us right with God. That's our God, and that's Jesus. And that's what we've come here to understand today. That is what we want to understand, because his life and his act of love that was once and for all eternity has influenced mankind more than any other single event in the history of the world. It is something that 2,000 years later, which if you think about it, that is a monumental length of time. That is a huge amount of time. We throw it around like 2,000 years, like as if we could really even understand. 2,000 years, and yet it is the message that comes here today. It is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, and it is life-changing today as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is radical. He is a changer. He has changed the world we live in. And that is what we've come here today to understand, to understand who he is and how that affects our lives today. So the Jesus Is uh, series, it sort of is asking who Jesus is, kind of obviously. And because I'm sort of a straightforward sort of person, I like to just say, well, who is Jesus? Who Jesus is? Well, let's go ask Jesus. The Bible, Jesus says who he is. And so let's just go straight there. I feel a little bit like I've answered the question, like after this, there might not be any more Jesus is series because Jesus is, well, he's answered the question for us. So we're going to go to John 14, 6, verse 7. I'll let you get there. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There was an answer right there. Who is Jesus? And he answered it with a description of himself. A description that that meets us wherever we are in life. You may feel lost in life. You might have come here today and you feel lost. Like whatever plans you had have been frustrated. Whatever ideas you had of who you would be, of what your your plans and future was supposed to be, have been frustrated, have been sort of just, you've met some sort of roadblock along the way. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. He is the way. 
He is the way. He is our direction. He is our guidance. He takes us to the place where we're supposed to be. You may feel confused. You might have come here today. You might just have been burnt out by religion or even secularism. And you don't know what is real, what isn't real, what is and just filled with doubt. Filled with doubt. Do not know what is up and what is down. Do not know what truth is. Well, he is the truth. He settles the struggle. He removes all doubt. That is who Jesus is. You might feel like you have no purpose. You might feel like a little bit aimless. A little bit like your life has no purpose or meaning. Nothing meaningful to cling to. He is the life. That is who he is. He is the life. A life fulfilled. A fulfilled life. A life of significance. A life of destiny. That's who Jesus is. He takes us to that place. He tells us that he is the only way. He is the only truth. And the only life that leads to God. Once you know who Jesus is, you know who God is. That's what he's saying this. Once you know who I am, you know who God is. No one comes to know God except through Jesus. No one comes to know God except through Jesus. He is the way. Think of it like that. It's a way. It's a pathway. If you want to know who God is, you need to know who Jesus is first. Well, how come? How is, that, how is that possible? How can you not just find out who God is and, you know, kind of go around Jesus? Well, have you ever heard about a person that you've never met? Now, you might have heard everything about this person. But if you've never, and I'm kind of, this is maybe more of a pre-internet <laughs> message where, like, you wouldn't just Google immediately who that person was. But if you'd heard about a person... If someone had told you about a person, it wasn't a person that was, you could find on Facebook. They told you, and they might tell you all sorts of details about them. But if you had never met that, if you'd never had an introduction, that person could be standing right in front of you and you would be none the wiser. Yeah. I want to give you an example. Uh, my, uh, I, I had a bit of a, uh, a lunch thing this afternoon and my, my parents turned up which was really nice but I was a little bit worried they were going to turn up to church this evening and hear this story so uh, I don't think they know how to work podcasts so I should be okay <laughs> if not hi mum <laughs> anyway so uh, about 10 years ago my, uh, my grandmother died and she'd reached she was about 100 so she had a good innings and uh, we had uh, a funeral for her which was uh, a somber occasion, of course. We loved my gran very much, and uh, we went down. She lived just outside London, so we flew down for the day. Me, my two, bro- my two younger brothers, my mom and dad, and we went to the funeral and did the funeral thing. And we were standing outside, and we were just sort of in that in-between bit when you've sort of you've had the service, and then you're going to go to the sort of uh, wake or, or whatever it is afterwards, and you're sort of meeting family that you haven't met for a while and sort of old friends and things like that. And there was this, uh, there was this one woman that really sort of stood out, uh, this small sort of uh, short-haired, bespeckled woman who sort of was going around. And I'd never seen her before in my life. And she was going around and she was just like, almost like making sure, like a hostess in some sense. She was going around. She was sort of speaking to everybody, really sort of working the room. And... You know, and, and she came over and said, hello, I'm... And she said her name and said, oh, hi there, I used to know your father. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's excellent. She's really nice. I'm sort of thinking she's a really nice person. Uh, and she was a very nice person. 
my mum sort of leant over to me and, and she just sort of whispered in my ear, she said, did we ever tell you that I'm not your father's first wife? <laughs> well, what? <laughs> what? What was that? Now, I was aware that my dad had been married for a very short amount of time when he was very young. I was not familiar with the subject. I was aware that this person was out there. <laughs> but I did not know when she stood as far as I am to my hand that that was my dad's first wife. You know, and, and quite kindly of my two younger brothers, for the rest of the day and the preceding three weeks, they asked me what it was like to meet my real mum. <laughs> it was also incredibly nice of my mum to play along for three weeks. <laughs> you can be standing right next to someone you've heard about. You're going to heard all about them. You need to be introduced if you're going to know who that person is. If you want to know who Jesus is in your life, if you want to know who God is, how he is represented in your life, of how he turns up in circumstances and situations, you need to be introduced. And who can introduce you? No one can introduce you but Jesus. You can't know God until you know Jesus because until you know who Jesus is, you won't be able to recognize God in your life. He is often present in our circumstances. And often we think we know who God is. We have an idea that maybe has been built up. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you haven't grown up in church. Maybe you have an idea who, of who God is in sort of, a, sort of a wider context, something kind of vague. God is often present in our lives, but you won't realize it unless you're familiar with his ways. Until you're familiar and understand his nature and his characteristics. What is it about knowing God that, that draws people in? What is it about knowing God and that, that just is impressed upon people's hearts? That they want to know who he is. Well, I think there's various reasons, various answers to that question. I think one of them is people are always looking for the best way to do stuff. I work in a company. I've worked uh, in, in oil companies for almost 10 years now. And there, there's like a term, you know, companies are always looking for best practice. The best practice, the best way to do it. It might be a, a task that's done 10 times a day, every day of the year. And, and they're looking for the best way to do it, the most efficient way, the safest way, the best way. The best way. Everyone is keen. Everyone is looking for the best way in which to do stuff. People are always looking for the best way to do stuff, the secrets to life. Like, there is probably a billion, billion pound industry in creating those books that just, how to get the most out of life, how to just do life brilliant, and all that kind of stuff. There's, there is so much to people just looking, I want to understand how I can make the most of my life. I'm looking for the best way to do it. People want to know what the right way is and what the wrong way is. They want to know because it can be the secret that just makes your life better. I uh, recently went away uh, with work for four weeks. I went aboard a vessel for four weeks. And, you know, I don't know if anyone has uh, been I'm married. I've got three children. And I went away and I came back. And for anyone who's ever been in that situation, you would, you would recognize that, that, you know, stuff changes in your life when you come back. When you come back, things aren't the same always as the way you left. I'll give you the, and, and what I found was this, is that we have a dishwasher in our house. 
this dishwasher is very precious to me. We had a, a kitchen installed. Uh, <laughs> really, honestly, it's not any deeper than this. It's like a dishwasher. And this is so precious to me, this dishwasher. We didn't have one until the beginning of the year. And we were getting a new kitchen put in. And people were sort of showing me, when I say people, I mean uh, my wife and, and our father who put the kitchen in. Not like people on the street or anything like that. We're coming up and showing me pictures. You know, this is what it's going to look like. Are you happy with that? I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. Has it got a dishwasher? Yes, it has a dishwasher. I don't care what it looks like then. It really makes no difference to me whatsoever. As long as it's got a dishwasher, as long as it's got a microwave, I'm sorted. <laughs> And, and so we have this dishwasher, and because it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit technologically advanced from just the dishwasher, Laura was like, you just take care of this one. You, just, you be responsible. I think she was quite cunning in that one. She, she realized, like, I'll do the manly role. I'll step in here. I'll, I'll work the technology. She's just thinking, what a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, I, went, but, so I, I would get this dishwasher, and I had my own little way of doing it. And I'm sure all the people in the house, there's always like a person who's responsible in the house for to, di- to load the dishwasher. Am I right? I mean, it's not a, a shared responsibility. It's like, this is... It is? Oh, right. Okay. Wow, so, so modern. <laughs> well, no, no. It's a fair point. It's a fair point that we'll probably get to in a second. So, uh, <laughs> it's a fair point. So I had to go away. I had to go away for four weeks. And who knows, in four weeks, you get a lot of dishes. So Laura was going to have to take over. So she took over the dishwasher, and I came back. And this is, this is really the, the moment at which I realized life had changed while I'd been away. Because I would, I would came back, and there was the dishwasher, there were the dishes. I start putting them in, just sort of shove them in, you know, just chuck them in, and try and get as many in as possible. Laura walks in, she says, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? I'm, like, I'm loading the dishwasher. What do you think I'm doing? She's like, you're doing it all wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about all wrong? I invented the way we do this. <laughs> there, was no, there was my way and no other way. She's like, no, no, no. And Laura doesn't put up for that kind of stuff whatsoever. And she starts making me take out all the dishes, which is pretty frustrating because I don't like redoing something I've already done. So I'm taking out the dishwasher, and she's saying, look at that, it's dirty. What do you mean it's dirty? It's going in the dishwasher. She says, no, you've got to clean it before you put it in the dishwasher. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? You have to hold it under the hot tap until all the dirt's off, and then you put it in the dishwasher. You're crazy. What's the point having a dishwasher if you have to wash them? She makes me, she now inspects them, you know, before I go. It's like holding your hands out, you know, like, oh, are they clean enough? And she'll go and have a look at it, and she'll be like, well, there's dirt on that one. And she'll make it run under the hot tap. Like, I use so much hot water just cleaning the stuff to put it in the dishwasher. It's insane. But they are clean when they come out. And in fairness, when I did them, they weren't always clean when they came out. (laughs) Now, when I did it, you could get way more in it, and it was way quicker and way more easy. But they didn't come out clean because I was actually doing it the wrong way, as much as it pains me to admit. But Laura, she recognized that there was a better way to do it. And although I feel like I use way more hot water than I should be using to put stuff in a dishwasher. Someone should create a dishwasher that you can actually put dirty stuff in. Whatever. I feel like I'm just polishing my dishes. But, <laughs> but she gets some clean. She, she's right. And, and when she enforces that, we get the right results. Because my way was the wrong way. And Laura was doing it the right way. I want to give you a biblical example rather than my silly one. 
from Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says, Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's the thing. When you build your house... When you build your belief system based on your experiences and what's convenient, it's no different than building a house on a beach. You see, you build a house on a beach because it has a nice view, because it's easy to get to. You can just turn up on the beach and there's your house and you can get into it and it is great and it's got a wonderful view and it was easy to set up. But as soon as a storm hits it, it has no foundation to withstand the adversity of that storm and it will be flattened. Similarly, your understanding of who God is cannot be solely based on your your own personal knowledge. It can't just be, well, I've sort of built this picture up who God is. I've just sort of decided through my own experiences and what's convenient to me and what I think is right, this is who God is. You can't make your own introduction. You can't introduce yourself to God because if you do that, you don't really know who God is. Because when the rubber hits the road, when adversity hits your life, you will be rocked. You will be rocked and you won't know what's up or down. And if you don't know what's up or down, what you believe becomes a very fluid concept. What you believe becomes a little bit more unsure. Your footing is not solid. And when that storm hits and you're thrown over, well, where is God in that moment? Because you never really knew who God was in the first place. But Jesus is unmoved by the storm. Jesus is a solid place. He's seated above that turmoil. So regardless of whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation in your life is, Jesus is still there. You always know where Jesus is because Jesus is not moved. He is solid. He is constant. He is consistent. He is dependable. He is reliable because he is there and he seats above all of that. And whatever you worry about, whatever you stress about, whatever you are hit by, it's not going to rock Jesus. It's not going to rock him. He loves us. He has a heart towards us. He looks upon us. He is ready to be there, ready to just stretch out his arm. And where does he stretch his arm to? He stretches his arm to us to draw us closer to God in those moments. See, the Bible distinguishes between the wise and the foolish in that parable. They both sought an answer. They both had something that they wanted to build. One built it on sand that was uneven and easily displaced. And one built it on a foundation of rock. Who knows that building a house upon a rock is way more difficult. It requires much more effort. Who also knows that when a storm hits, you would rather be sitting in that house than the one on the beach. When you're hit by adversity, when you're hit by challenges, you want to have your belief system. You want to have your faith rooted in something 
that does not move. Who knows that just as people, we are so given over, we, we're so easily sort of swayed. Who knows that just you'll say something grand and, and, and sound very sort of upright. But in a circumstance, in a situation where that truth is not convenient, that we are willing to bend that truth. Anyone know what I mean by that? Anyone familiar with that experience? Where you walk away and you're like, I thought I believed that, but I just did this. When we, are, when we are seeking an answer, we cannot look for that answer within ourselves. When you're looking for that answer, when you're looking for who God is, when, when you're looking for the answer to your life, the answer doesn't sit within ourselves. And, and it doesn't sit within something that just you can see in the natural world. They don't come from the world in which we interact with. The answers, the answers to our life, the answers to who and what we're here for and the purpose of everything and the way to fulfillment is not found in self because self shifts. It's found in God. All answers are found in God. Every single answer for your life is found in God. I'm going to give you an example of something that happened this week. And it, see, it, it would seem like just a throwaway thing. This week, uh, we have a, a, a light that we keep on at night uh, on the top landing for, uh, for our kids just, just to have a light on in the landing so that when they go to sleep there's a light and they just know it's there it settles kids down and my wife was looking out the window and she realised that that light was shining into our whole back garden and really illuminated the whole back garden she said and she was thinking to herself that's like a security light like that light when it shines out there it would sort of ward away anyone who might think uh you know, about sort of maybe burgling the house, because it's on all night, even when we were asleep. Uh, and that same day that she had that thought, that light went out. It just, it just went kaput. And she was thinking to herself, she was thinking, why on earth, on the day that I thought that that light gave us security in our house, would that light go out? I've never thought that before, and it's never gone out before. Why did it go out on this day? And she came and said, isn't that, isn't that weird? And I, because I was doing something else, and wanted to finish that conversation quickly, gave a throw, throwaway answer. I said, oh, it's just coincidence. These things don't, you know, it doesn't mean anything at all. And my wife gave me, sort of like, okay, in, in that she meant, all right, fine, you clearly don't want to give an answer, and walked out of the room. And I, it kind of made me think, because obviously the answer that I'd given hadn't satisfied her curiosity. And I, I just, without really even thinking about it, just sort of turned my eyes to God. Like, just just like this was a question that I didn't have an answer to in that moment I, I just within myself almost like as an instinct I didn't really have like it wasn't a prayer or anything like that it wasn't anything it wasn't a spiritual moment or anything I just like I just like I looked towards God and instantly I just got this sense that God was saying that light was never your security I'm your security whether that light is on or off makes no difference. There's an angel that sits over your house. I have covering over your house. Nothing is coming against your house. Your house is covered from any advance of the enemy. The devourer will not take a single thing from your house. So you never needed to fear whether that light was on or off. Here's the thing. I could have just not bothered to even think about asking God that question. But in asking God that question, I was given an answer that built my life. That put a, a strength within my life, put a conviction in my life that just reinforced the truth that I knew was real but had just chosen to sort of let go of or, or just 
allow its effectiveness to diminish in my life. God has answers for everything in our life. Absolutely everything. Whether it be the smallest detail of a light bulb going off, or whether it be the most profound problem in your life, God has the answer. And he wants to give us it. God is the answer. He is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you built your life upon something that you thought was firm and steadfast. Can I get someone up on the keys, actually? Just um, closing. Maybe you built your life upon something that you thought was so firm and so steadfast. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, Pastor Shell sent me an article from uh, the BBC website, and it was kind of talking about young people and, and what they really were, uh, what they thought the kind of most important things in life were. And, and the number one thing was family. And it might be that you come here today and family is really what you've based your life upon. That security that you find in life, that truth, everything that you think about is based upon that platform of family. You might think family is that basis of truth that you could build your life upon. Maybe you came and you thought that and you grew up. But maybe there was a time when, when your folks stopped getting along. And maybe there was a time where they, they stopped being able to relate to each other. Maybe there was a time when even though you thought that that family was the thing that was always going to be there, always going to be that strength, always going to be that thing that you could rely upon, that they couldn't live together any longer. And they had to live apart. And your life kind of fell apart in that moment because the thing that you thought was so reliable, was so steadfast, stopped being that. Maybe you built your life upon your career. Maybe you worked so hard, you always came in early and you always left late and you always gave your 100% because you knew that if you made a good career, then you were always going to be safe and you were always going to be secure. You were always going to have something. But maybe though your company merged with another company and your department was no longer needed and it had nothing to do with how hard you'd worked or anything, but they just didn't need you anymore. And in that moment, your life fell apart because everything you built your life upon had vanished. Maybe you've built your life on just you, you get a great confidence in your own physicality, your strength, your athleticism, your your just your health, your vibrancy, your beauty. Maybe these were the things that you built your life upon. You knew you became so used to people giving you compliments and encouraging you that it gratified your soul. But there came a day where you became ill. Or you stopped being that athletic person, that strong person. Maybe there was an illness that took upon your life, that took away, that robbed you of your health. And in that moment, when you could no longer rely on the strength within your hands, your life fell apart. These things seem like really obvious things in which we could build our lives. We could build our lives upon. But the truth is, there is nothing constant in this world. We live in a world that shifts and changes. There is only one thing that is constant, that we can be reliant upon. Jesus gave us principles in which we could prosper our lives. They come from Jesus. They don't come from anything we can see in front of us, anything that we can touch. Jesus holds the truth of how to have an awesome life. He says in John 10, verse 10, and this is Jesus again, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. 
you ever, have you ever looked at your life and thought, I thought there'd be more to it than this. There's more than this in life, surely. Jesus says he's come to give us life to the full. That's a life without reserve. That's a life without limitation. That's not a, a half portion. That's a full portion overflowing. A life that overflows into other people's lives. That isn't one that sucks the life out of a room, but is a life that gives and builds and gives strength to those around. Everything Jesus says is true. And are the keys to living a life fulfilled. A life without regret. He lays down those principles within the Bible for such a life. And through relationship with Jesus, he wants to inspire us, to encourage us, and to build us up. That's what Jesus came to earth to do. That was his purpose. That was his plan. That was the reason that he was sent to earth, to bring life to his people, to bring life to the world that so desperately needed it. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.